Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautyo Books, an independent, family owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautyobooks.com. By L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Ocean State Bird Club. Springtime is every birder's favorite time of year. Join Ocean State Bird Club for new online talks and weekly virtual hangouts. And enjoy our quarterly newsletter with stories and photos about birds and birding. OceanStateBirdClub.org and on Facebook, Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 833. And what's this? It's TSOP, the sound of Philadelphia. A few weeks ago, we offered a conservation salute to the city of Philadelphia for joining the Lights Out program, in which cities all over the country are dimming the lights in tall buildings during spring and fall bird migration in an effort to prevent bird fatalities. Well, that's getting another mention here today because CNN has picked up that story and is providing some extra recognition and publicity about the successful effort to get building owners and managers in Philly to turn off the lights in their buildings to help prevent bird crashes. So thanks to CNN for giving some coverage to a very fine effort. Meanwhile, closer to home in our Talking Birds garden, right behind our studios here in the south shore of Massachusetts, uh, we've confirmed that we have tree swallows nesting again this year. That's pretty cool. And we see eastern bluebirds checking out a box out there as well. Common ravens are back up on the tower. We think we can see a nest way up there. We'll be trying to spot that after today's show. We also heard this morning a Carolina wren sounding off. And that really loud way right outside our studios this morning. Uh, meanwhile, there's this bird. That's a lot more quiet than a Carolina wren. Uh, that's our mystery bird. This is a little preview of our mystery bird contest, which is uh, coming along a little bit later on in this morning's show. But here are some clues and info to Get you ready for that uh, contest. Our bird is a very small songbird with pale gray cheeks and white and black striping all over its head and body in a black eye line. Our bird, which winters in the tropics and breeds across Canada and most of the U.S., as far west as Montana, creeps along the branches and trunks of trees, kind of like a nuthatch, probing with its thin bill for insects and spiders. I guess I gave away that it's not a nuthatch there, but that's all right. That's our mystery bird. Uh, um, prizes include the Droll Yankees Cute Chickadee Feeder that lets you manage the size of visiting birds. Perfect for a sunflower seed, mixed seed, fruit, or mealworms. And a bonus prize, our favorite coffee because it's delicious and it also helps preserve habitat for wintering birds in the tropics. It's Birds and Beans, bird-friendly, shade-grown coffee. 
our bonus prize on the Mystery Bird Contest coming along uh, on this morning's show a little bit later. Extra, extra, read all about it. Some of the stories and videos on our TalkingBirds.com website and our Facebook page right now. Kent, Ohio is building a chimney for chimney swifts. And we'll link you to a story about it. Meanwhile, we just heard from composer Dave Shiflett, who has written a beautiful piece called Swifts in the Chimney. And we can connect you to that on our Facebook page uh, right now as well. Meanwhile, up in Maine, the state of Maine has created an international dark sky park. That's pretty cool. We have a link to that story. And our man Mike O'Connor explains where wild turkeys build their nests and why they are so hard to find. Some of the stories there on our TalkingBirds.com website and our Facebook page right now. And speaking of Facebook, don't forget to check out the Talking Birds Flock, where listeners gather to share thoughts and observations Pictures and videos, pretty close to 300 folks in our flock now. You can find it at Facebook.com and just type in Talking Birds Flock in the search bar there. Here's our conservation salute of the week. It goes to the state of Washington where they're enacted or where they have enacted America's newest and strongest ban on polystyrene. Most folks call it styrofoam. Whatever you call it, it's one of the worst forms of potential plastic pollution out there, taking hundreds of years to fully degrade. Here's what they've done in Washington following the lead of New Jersey and Virginia. One is they banned polystyrene packing peanuts, coolers, and foodware, like takeout containers and foam cups. Secondly, they've required businesses to provide single-use utensils, cups, lids, and other foodware only when requested. And third, required that all plastic trash bags, beverage bottles, household cleaning bottles, personal care product bottles, and other plastic items be made with a specified amount of recycled material. So some good stuff there. Long way to go, but a good start. And so our conservation salute to the great state of Washington. And here's a royal salute to our new Talking Birds ambassadors who are newly welcomed to the show officially here, including Barbara Page from Wakefield, Rhode Island. Thank you so much, Barbara. And thank you to Cindy Boyd from Gainesville, Florida. She says she just discovered our show and has been binge listening. She says it's informative and fun. Thank you so much, Cindy. Thank you to Karen V. from Oroville, California. She says, I'm the Lands and Sanctuary Board Member for Altacal Audubon in Chico, California. Altacal, I think, is a closer pronunciation. She says, my spark bird was a scrub jay when I was three. And my granny gave me a golden guide at that age, too. My nemesis birds are usually the super common ones like pine siskins. She says, I love any and all bird walks. Thank you so much, Karen. And thank you to another Karen with a different spelling. This is Karen Rhodes from Marblehead, Massachusetts. And she says that her nephew, Ryan, has his actual birthday 
today. So we're welcoming Karen, especially on this day. And his big brother Pete has his birthday in two weeks also. Can you throw in a greeting to him as well? Indeed we can. Happy birthday, Ryan, and happy early birthday to you, Pete. And uh, I'm to tell them it's time for the walkabout in the fields. So you're you're on notice there, Ryan and uh, and Pete. And there's a little surprise, I understand, but I have to keep quiet about that. Also, please give a tip of the cap to the Essex County Ornithological Club, of which I am a life member, says Karen. And yes, she says, I'm having fun handing out my ambassador cards. That is great. And hello to all the folks at the Essex County Ornithological Club. So, Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become an ambassador like Karen and Karen and Cindy and Barbara. Easy to do. Just go to TalkingBirds.com and click on the Get Involved tab right there at the top of the homepage. Still to come on our show today, we'll zoom up to Thunder Bay, Ontario, Canada to talk with Josh Levac, who is the senior bird bander at the McKellar Island Bird Observatory up there on the northwestern shore of Lake Superior. Plus, we'll catch up with Mike O'Connor on Cape Cod for a Let's Ask Mike segment, almost live from the archive, about tree swallows. And up next, we'll travel farther than we've ever gone before to find a featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine, for more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Our featured feathered friends are almost always North American species, but we figured we should expand our horizons a bit, and we're doing that today as we present, direct from Australia, the most Instagrammable bird on the planet. That designation, according to the folks at LiveScience.com, doesn't mean that this bird appears more often on Instagram than any other bird. In fact, it doesn't show up there very often at all. But when it does, say the Live Science folks, it draws more likes than any other species, based on the number of users likely to have seen its photos. It's the Instagrammable and unforgettable Tawny Frogmouth. The tawny frogmouth looks kind of like an owl and is often mistaken for one. It's stocky, large-headed, and nocturnal. It's about 13 to 21 inches long with rounded wings, short legs, and a wide, heavy, olive gray to blackish bill that's hooked at the tip and topped with distinctive tufts of bristles. The eyes are large and yellow, like those of diurnal owls, but they're not forward-facing as owls' eyes are. Tawny frogmouths are related to owls, but their closest relatives are the oilbirds and potus, and the night jars, like the common nighthawk, the whippoorwill, and the common parake that we know here in North America. These frogmouths feed mostly by dropping down from a tree branch or other elevated perch to take large insects, or small vertebrates on the ground, with some smaller prey, like moths, caught in flight. And they're considered to be among Australia's most effective pest control birds around houses and farms. By day, tawny frogmouths perch low on tree branches using their superb camouflage colors of silvery gray, black, and brown to make themselves nearly invisible 
as they freeze like the end of a broken branch against the bark of a tree. The bird makes a number of sounds, including this soft, repetitious call, often heard throughout the night. By the way, quite by coincidence, our own awesome Aussie, Freya McGregor, reports that her folks back home just spotted a tawny frogmouth perched on a telephone wire right across the road from their home in Melbourne, Australia, a few days ago. A bird that's popular for its pest control and well-liked everywhere on Instagram. It's Podargus strigoides, the tawny frogmouth. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Welcome again to our show, number 833. Well, we're told that bird banding, for various purposes, has been going on since the Punic Wars in 200 B.C., with its first scientific use recorded in the 17th century, and then famously used by John James Audubon in the early 19th century, when he tied colored thread to the legs of an eastern Phoebe to track its movements. And bird banding is still going on in a big way in lots of places, including at the McKellar Island Bird Observatory in Thunder Bay, Ontario, Canada, from where senior bird bander Josh Levac is about to join us. Good morning, Josh. Good morning, Ray. It's great to be here. Well, it's great to finally have you here after we are, you know, technical problems have become kind of a specialty here on our show of late, but... Uh, but we've got you. So you're up on the northwestern shore of Lake Superior, the western edge of the eastern time zone there. Give us a little yep. overview, if you would, and background about the observatory. Yeah, so the observatory was first established in 2014 by John and Maureen Woodcock. <laughs> and with that, yeah, it's a unique name for uh, some, some bird banders. But with that, uh, we've been banding here, uh, a part of the Canadian Migration Monitoring Network for about seven years. And we do fall and or spring and fall migration monitoring. So we really try to catch the birds that are coming from you guys in the south, mm -hmm. all the way up north into their breeding grounds. And so it's a pretty great opportunity for us um, to really try to catch catch these birds and try to help monitor population growth, population decline, uh, dispersal, migration, a lot of different uh, aspects of what's potentially going on. Mm -hmm. So I'm reading in the spring, you have an average of 328 birds, banded 44 species, much more in the fall, around 2,300 birds, 67 species. So this kind of gives an indicator of different seasonal migratory patterns, doesn't it? It definitely does. What we typically find is in the spring, um, a lot of the birds really don't care about us. They have something else on their mind <laughs> and they kind of try to get up further north as quickly mm -hmm. as possible. And sometimes we don't necessarily catch all of the birds that are coming around um, on, in the fall. It's a really interesting habitat that we have in that we find that we, we're more of not necessarily a funnel where a lot of banding stations are set up, but more of a staging ground. Mm -hmm. So a lot of birds come into our area, which we actually have a swamp and we have a lot of mosquitoes, a lot of insects. And this is where the birds, we find that a lot of the juvenile birds, the birds that were born this year, um, kind of hatch or not hatch, but they kind of stick around and get pretty fat before they have to actually migrate south. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of an attractive feature, if you will. It's kind of like going to New York to visit uh, 
to visit some of the towers or, or things like that. <laughs> right, right. Um, speaking of towers, you're putting up a chimney swift tower. Uh, do I have that? Yeah, right? we actually we we just finished our chimney swift tower this spring, and so we're we're still waiting on our first recipient and uh or first first uh, person to come in or first bird to come in but yeah we put up a chimney swift tower we're really excited about it we usually get them passing through in the spring and in the fall we usually see them as well too um mm -hmm. right now the only person that is or the only animal that is actually taken uh taken a, a liking to it is one bat uh -huh. and hey, we're not going to argue with the bat either i think it's really <laughs> great yeah but, we're really hoping for those chimney swifts. Uh, all right. And we, and we had just mentioned earlier in the show this morning about uh, in Kent, Ohio, they're doing a similar uh, initiative, too. So we'll have to check back with you and um, see how see how that uh, works out. One thing I want to ask you, Josh, you know, the, in these days with all the uh, geolocators and satellite tracking and all that, uh, is bird banding as relevant as ever? Just uh, just the, just the same? Yeah, I think it is. I think it really does provide us some very detailed what's going on in our populations with respects to um, with respects to to population growth and decline. We can really get a very localized view of what's going on, where birds are going. Um, yes, you can get geolocators, um, but. From my, from my perspective, this is a very passive way of potentially catching the birds and, mm -hmm. and seeing the seeing them up close without really having to add any additional um, overall weights. Granted, some of those geolocators are pretty much the, the weight of a dime now as well, too. Mm -hmm. So they're pretty pretty small and, 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 and not that invasive yeah. as they once were. Sure. So we, we have to cut this a little shorter than we planned, Josh, owing to those uh, technical uh, problems there. But I wanted to just get this in about if folks find uh, a banded bird or see one, uh, how they can report it. Yeah, so if you find a banded bird, uh, both the Canadian government and the U.S. government work jointly together to write uh, bandit.gov and or, or yeah, band.gov. And you can you can actually enter that into mm -hmm. Google and find and enter the band number that you have, and you'll come up with the place, the location, the age, the sex mm -hmm. of the bird, and everything that uh, that that pretty much uh, allows for you to understand where that bird came from. So you can totally uh, find that out uh, online. All right. Well, especially since we're short time here, we'll make sure we get back to you in the fall, Josh, to uh, see what's happening there, and also check with you on that chimney swift tower. And Love to hear. And if you don't mind, if if you don't mind my mentioning, you are also one of our Talking Birds ambassadors, and you are. I am one of the Talking Birds. You ambassadors. are our number five hundred, so you are <laughs> extra special in that regard. Uh, yep. Josh, thank you so much. Keep up that Thanks great work. We'll talk again soon, and you can find uh, out more about the McKellar Island Bird Observatory at Facebook, Facebook.com/slash McKellar. That's M C K E L L A R. McKellar Island Bird Observatory. Josh Levac joining us here and coming up next, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather. The flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. 
Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more, or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. A squeaky little sound. Some say squeaky little wheel. Is the sound of our mystery bird. Very small songbird with pale gray cheeks and white and black striping all over its head and body in a black eye line. Our bird, which winters in the tropics and breeds across Canada and most of the U.S. as far west as Montana, creeps along the branches and trunks of trees, probing with its thin bill for insects and spiders. That's our bird. The number is 781-837-4900, and the prizes are pretty nice here. A big bag of delicious, shade-grown, bird-friendly birds and beans coffee. And the cute chickadee feeder from Droll Yankees, perfect for sunflower seed, mixed seed, fruit, or or mealworms. Even lets you manage the size of visiting birds with its height-adjustable dome. Pretty nice prizes there in our mystery bird. Here's a little extra musical cue. We probably don't need this, but a little extra musical cue for a mystery bird. All right, just a weird little extra musical cue. 781-837-4900 is the number on our Mystery Bird Contest. Meanwhile, it's Let's Ask Mike, almost live from the archive in just one minute. Beautio Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology. From field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor, you'll find it all along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place. Beautyobooks.com. B-U-T-E-O. Beautyobooks.com. Hi, my name is Tamla Watts, and I'm calling from San Marcos, California. I decided to become a Talking Birds ambassador because I'm passionate about birds and I love the show. I really, really encourage listeners to become ambassadors because it's another opportunity to share your love and passion and appreciation for birds for Talking Birds. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family at TalkinBirds.com. Join today and thanks. Mike O'Connor is down there at the famous Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Uh, Good morning, Mike. It says here you're going to talk about tree swallows. And you got a nice letter from a young man in Rhode Island. Is that is that right about tree well, swallows? Goodness, this is a very nice letter, handwritten letter from Ian in Jamestown, Rhode Island, and uh, he writes, "Dear Bird Folks," because that's my alternative name. Oh, and he said, "There are tree swallows all over my state. Most times when I go for a walk, I see them. I would take tree swallows over any other bird." And then he wants to know why he sees so many. Clearly a fan of tree swallows, and who isn't? You've got them nesting in your your, your radio station, yeah. and I've got them nesting in my yard. They're a fairly easy bird to attract. Uh, they have 
three advantages tree swallows seem to have over the other swallows. Number one, um, they seem to they can they get back here early. I saw tree swallows back in March. They can arrive early, and if the weather changes and gets cold, and they can't get the flying insects that they most swallows survive on, like purple martins, if they come back too early and the weather gets cold and there's no insects, they'll likely starve. But tree swallows can switch to vegetation. They'll eat berries, uh, bay berries, so they have a plan B if they can't get the insects. So that helps them to have the prevent those die-offs that some of the other swallows can have to deal with. Also, they come readily to birdhouses. You know, we, there's a lot of swallows. There's bank swallows, there's rough-wing swallows, there's... Uh, barn swallows but not many people have barns anymore mm. but you can put up a tree swallow box which is just slightly larger than a bluebird box a little bit bigger because swallows have long, longer wings and they'll readily come if you have the right kind of habitat and they come for white feathers yeah. so if you know anybody who raises ducks or chickens and you can get some white feathers you can put those out and they'll they'll come for those also beavers believe it or not uh, are important to tree swallows. And, and back in the old days, we used to have that disgusting habit of taking animal skin and wearing it as a fashion. But now we don't do that so much. And the beavers are coming back, and they, the beaver dams create beaver ponds, and the beaver ponds are great for wildlife except trees don't like it so much because when they flood an area, the trees die, but then the woodpeckers move into the dead trees, create holes, and then the tree swallows move into those holes. So, so between our nest boxes that we put up and their ability to eat alternative food sources, and thanks to the beavers, the tree swallows are actually doing well around here, especially in Massachusetts. Few areas are struggling a little bit, but on the whole, they're being a very successful species, and they're fun to watch. They're really kind of cool bird to watch. Wow. So there you go. So thanks for the letter, Ian. Talk to you next week, Mike. Sounds great. Every Wednesday, Birdwatching Magazine sends an e-newsletter full of information of interest to birdwatchers, including recent news stories about birds, conservation, and science, photography tips, stories about places to go birding, bird ID tips, and much more. Best of all, the newsletter is free. Sign up today at birdwatchingdaily.com slash newsletter. We're back to the mystery bird contest in the tiny bit of time we have remaining uh, to identify our bird. And we uh, go to Jen in Brockton, Massachusetts, city of champions. Good morning, Jen. Good morning. Good morning. What do you think, uh, Jen, on our mystery bird? Um, is it a brown creeper? A brown creeper. That is really a top quality guess there. Kind of sounds like it might be a brown creeper, except it's not brown, actually. But anyway, uh, Jen, thank you so much. Try us again. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Not a brown creeper. Zeke is in the great town of Marshfield, Massachusetts, which is very close to where we are here. Uh, good morning, Zeke. Hi. How are you, Ray? Doing well, Zeke. Doing well. Thank you. How, how do you think about our mystery bird there? Uh, is it a black pole warbler? A black pole warbler. Uh, it is not, but since we are almost out of time, we're going to say it's close enough, because it's pretty close. It's actually a black and white warbler. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, climbing along those tree branches kind of like a nuthatch does. But uh, anyway, yes, as we say, close close enough for this morning's purposes. Close enough, I still feel defeated. <laughs> you still feel, well, you'll feel better when those prizes arrive. 
<laughs> All right. Thank, thank you, Zeke. Thanks, Ray. Have okay. a great day. All right. You too. We are just about out of time this morning. Uh, black and white warbler, in case you missed it. By the way, in our Talking Birds flock, Etienne Martin from Mesa, Arizona, has some great photos of a lesser goldfinch foraging the flowers in her backyard. Check it out at Facebook, Talking Birds flock. Next week, how neonicotinoids can kill bees. We'll talk with Sharon Selvaggio from the Xerces Society for Invertebrate Conservation about that. Thanks to our great Talking Birds team. I'm Ray Brown, and have a great week. We'll see you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And UDO Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautyobooks.com By L.L. Bean Inspiring you to get outdoors LLBean.com By Birds and Beans Shade-grown, bird-friendly coffee Birdsandbeans.com And by Ocean State Bird Club Springtime is every birder's favorite time of year Join Ocean State Bird Club for new online talks and weekly virtual hangouts and enjoy our quarterly newsletter with stories and photos about birds and birding OceanStateBirdClub.org and on Facebook Ocean State Bird Club